Well, hello. It's Clay Holderman again with DadCast. Thanks for the great feedback on our first episode. In the second episode, I'm going to try and lean into an issue that bothers my kids and a bunch of our kids, actually, which is kind of why is the church so judgy about sexual decisions? I mean, it seems out of touch with this generation, and it seems kind of out of balance with the way we treat other choices people make that might not be in line with the Bible. So are the decisions you make about sex really that big a deal to God? And is it really uh, applicable to this generation? Anyway, let's talk about it. Hey, Dad. So I really love our church, but I have a lot of friends who, you know, they, they're having trouble like with their sexuality and stuff, and I really wouldn't ta- feel comfortable taking them to our church. I don't think they'd feel very welcome. Do you think that's how it's supposed to be? Tessa's question's not wrong. Um, there are people in our church who would shun people and judge people based on sexual identity or choices they've made. And runs through your head, gosh, I wonder how many people in the church aren't living exactly pure to what the Bible says to set apart, whether it's porn or sexual experiences before marriage or any other number of things. Why would sexual identity be treated differently? So let's talk to some of the dads from the life group. Normally that would be in a coffee shop environment, but Mario broke his foot and homebound, and so here's, appropriate enough, six men from our church in Mario's bed. Well, for me, um, I've got daughters, and um, I think that uh, the biggest uh, the biggest thing that kind of comes to mind for me is the, that the Bible is really set up to protect us, you know, um, God knew what he was doing when he was writing, uh, that, that scripture. And, and so, um, just to kind of simplify it all, uh, you know, you know, girls these days that are having premarital sex are going through some terrible emotions when things don't work out. Well, if you don't have premarital sex, you're married. Not only does it make it that much more beautiful, but it also means it's forever because, that's what marriage is, and that's what marriage should be forever. So you'll never have to worry about that emotional breakdown when you're left behind. You really emphasize how the rules are there to make it more beautiful for us and protect us, right? Absolutely. How about you guys? Along those lines, I think that um, it really is something to be sanctified and just kept at bay. It, it, it's such a confusing thing for somebody that age, especially, right? There's so many emotions mixed in, and there's so much dysfunction in sexuality right now, I think. And that's that's because I think we're jumping into it too early. And I think that God designed that specifically for that way. So I think that that um, society in general is just making it like do whatever, you know, be with whatever, do whatever. So I think that, that um, biblically speaking to your children, I think it's like, well, you want to save that for one person. And like Mario said, I think it really is meant to be that one person thing. But there's just so much dysfunction now because there's just sexually, we're just a crazy wild society. I don't think there's any rules the plane at all and you have some people that are hurt some people that are burned some people that are just you know tarnished and i think it's just such a big confusing mess for everyone yet an interesting perspective from jehovah's witness faith yeah um <clears throat> that my understanding is that you know anybody that has not the lifestyle that they agree on they shun them from they get excommunicated i guess or something like that and and just having that conversation about knowing that you know Jesus loved everybody. He didn't. He didn't shun anybody. He didn't 
you know, regardless of their lifestyle, if, you know, in, in his time, he didn't shun anybody. He loved everybody, and that's what I shared and, and said the same thing, is that you cannot make, you can't be the judge of that. You have to, you know, just love, and, you know, the person that has this problem will have to work it out and figure it out, you know, themselves, and we just have to help them along. That's great. You get the last word. Oh, wow. Um, just discussing this with my wife the other day, and she was going on about how it's ever so much better when you do things in the right order. You, you know, you date, you get engaged, you get married, you know, you somewhere along the line, you have a way of supporting your family before you get married, you know, all, the, all those things that were traditionally taught and that life goes better. And not that it can't go good if you take things out of order, but things just go smoother if you do them in order. And we were watching, and Joy's getting more and more upset with TV. The, the CW is running a commercial where basically they're like, we're all about love, love and inclusion, inclusion and love. And they parade people who of, of alternative lifestyles and, and the thing, all the actors and everything. And I'm like, what message is that really sending the kids? I mean, there's on one hand, it's wonderful to say you're accepting, but it almost is like cheerleading. Hey, Clay, this is Joe. Uh, just calling to answer our question today with men's group on sex and sexuality. I know you're, you're working through the sex part, so I'll just touch on the sexuality side of it. Um, and, and what I tend to tell people when I talk to you about this, uh, and basically it's, it's when Jesus was on the cross. Right, he had he had robbers on either side, and one of them looked at him and said he wanted to be in paradise with him. And Jesus says, "You will," because he accepted Jesus at that time. He didn't. Jesus didn't ask if he was homosexual or uh, had an inclination for anything other than what we would deem as normal. So, uh, I also saw a meme today that I thought was appropriate, and it just says uh, it's it's a line from God saying, "Just love everyone. I'll sort them out later." So I think our job is to love. And, and respect, um, and, and by that we hope we take people down the path they need to go. So anyway, that's my answer. See you, bye. My own personal view, I'd like to present the hypothesis that the church is generally incorrect in the way that it approaches sexual decisions, behaviors, and identities. You know, our pastor taught the other day that religions are generally lists of things that are forbidden and lists of things that are set apart. And that registered with me. You know, our churches tend to treat sex as something forbidden, something evil, something taboo. And those that misuse sex or use sex in a way that the Bible doesn't condone as somehow condemned or, or guilty. When in reality, a study of the subject will show that this is actually a category of things that are set apart. Sexuality was a great gift from God. It was intended to be wonderful and fabulous. It was intended to bind us together in very, very amazing ways. And when we don't set it apart and we treat it as cheap, we actually rob ourselves and others of the full joy that it was set apart to be. You know, it, Pastor Pete Briscoe from Dallas taught that, you know, you could buy a Rolex on the bridge to Juarez for 30 bucks. But it's not a Rolex. It's a cheap imitation. And when you choose to treat sex as something set apart and wonderful, it is a Rolex. It's fine. It's going to increase in value over time. And it is going to be something that you will treasure. And when you buy a cheap knockoff on the bridge, 
you're really not, it's nothing that you've sacrificed for. It's nothing that you have, has any intrinsic value. And you've really been ripped off. So I'm here with the matriarch of the family, Kathleen Vashti Irvin Hooten McMichael, on the edge of her 101st year of wisdom. So Nana, what would you tell your great-grandchildren about sex? I would tell them that it is a beautiful thing when it is done inside the marriage and restrain from having sex until you are married. Very good. And you know something about sex, right? Well, absolutely. I have three children. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else you want them to know? That I wanted them to know. Yeah. Anything else? I think that's enough on that subject. (laughs) So we've talked about how the church acts, but what does the Bible actually say about sex? The first thing I do is look at the life of Jesus. And he had many encounters with people that were considered unclean and people who had not held sex apart. And he was criticized for not shunning them. He was criticized by his own disciples for allowing a so-called prostitute to wash his feet and adorn them with perfume. He was criticized by the Pharisees for eating with prostitutes. He encountered the woman at the well. And even though he knew that she had had five men and none of them had been her husband, he did not condemn her. He was brought a woman caught in the very act of adultery. They did not bring the man who she was caught in the act with, by the way, and they wanted to stone her, and he stopped it. And he did tell her, go and sin no more, but he did say, who condemns you? He says, not even I condemn you. So that's a far cry from some of the behaviors we see in churches today. Now, that doesn't mean that the Bible says anything we do with our bodies is okay. The Bible clearly teaches that our body is a temple, and that our body is home to the Holy Spirit. And when we unite ourselves with a prostitute or when we misuse our bodies, you know, that Christ living within us is right there with us. And it's clear that marriage is supposed to be where sex is held apart for. But in all of Paul's letters, he brings up sexual immorality in almost every one of them. And in almost every one, he uses a very broad term, porneia, which is really all forms of sexual perversion, whether it's pornography or um, using sex recreationally or using sex at the temples or using sex um, with family members. He, He doesn't differentiate one from the others. There's one type of sex that he always condemns, and that's the type of sex that enslaves either the person because they become obsessed and addicted to it or enslaves others because they are sold or, um, or leveraged by sex. So the Bible has a lot to say about sex, um, but it really is not a dividing line that, that determines salvation. Well, for the final check, let's ask Pastor Dan. Okay, the question as I see it is, um, why does God see how to step with sexuality? And I think the short answer to that is because uh, sex is great. And uh, because of that, the better something is, the worse it is when you wreck it. And I think that's why Satan wants to wreck it. 
I remember when uh, Caleb was driving and our Dakota got uh, hit in the side. I didn't really care, but when Micah's Miata was blasting the side and totaled it, I really did care because that was his first car and it was irreplaceable. Well, Satan doesn't create stuff. He just wrecks what God already created. And the better something is, the worse it is when we wreck it. And Satan does that by calling good bad and by bad calling bad good. Um, I really think in this world, part of our problem is that uh, we base all of our right and wrongs on feeling. But uh, the Bible doesn't do that. It's not based on feeling. It's based on what's really right and wrong for us. And maybe more importantly, it's based on what's best for us. God knows what's best because he's the one who made us in the first place. Um, I've got a, a little pocket knife that I wrecked kind of on purpose. I love it. I got it for 10 bucks at Walmart. And for me, it is a hammer. It's a screwdriver. If I can cram it in there, I use it as a pry bar a lot. And even cut stuff with it once in a while. But I don't care because it's a disposable knife. It's a $10 knife from Walmart. But your life isn't disposable. It's, it's, it's one life. And when sex becomes cheap, you just you cheapen your life, you cheapen the life of the person that you sleep with, and you're made in the image of God. So Satan wants to attack sex because if he attacks your body, he attacks God's very image. God gave sex as something special, and it it's so special within marriage, and it's one thing that Satan wants to attack, I think, more than anything else. Because when he attacks it, he ruins it. He makes it my, my pocket knife being used for all kinds of stuff that isn't. It's just cheap and disposable. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, in God you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know God like that, and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you don't know God at all. So we come to a point where we got to, if we believe in him, then we believe he made us and he knows us, and we can trust him to do what is best, and then if we live his way, that that way actually is best. So how do we wrap it up? Tessa opened by asking if it was right the way the church was acting towards people who weren't in line with what the Bible teaches about sex and sexuality. And I think you heard the men of our life group, myself, and our pastor basically say no. The Bible does teach what's best, and it teaches what's best because it was written by the one who made us and who knows us better than we know ourselves. But for those who are not in line on any point, it's clear that we are just to love. I loved Joe's quote that God said, just love everyone and let me sort it out. And I guess that's where I would take it. We've got to be more loving in this world, and that's the way that people will know and be attracted by a church that holds the truth of God. Love y'all. Have a great week.